Good, ladies. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. <laughs> I didn't want to forget this little statement I just thought of, so I wanted to put it down there. They ended just a hair too soon. All right, take your Bible. Turn over the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7 today. Jeremiah, chapter 7. Again, great to see you out tonight, and uh, what a, a great day. Again, we've been blessed with wonderful weather, haven't we? My, I like it. I enjoy that. That's great. I'm hoping that we don't get below 40 the rest, of the, the rest of the winter. You know, well, at night we can get lower, but at least warm up. You know, kind of like when I was in Oklahoma, it was like that. It'd warm up into the 40s almost every day. And uh, if you had snow, they shut down the city. They shut down everything. And that was fun, you know, because I was used to driving and running around in that. And so when everybody else was stuck and they weren't driving anywhere, I'd just go wherever I wanted. And it was fun, you know, and have every place to myself. But anyway, Jeremiah chapter 7. Let's go ahead and take a look at this passage, and then we'll see if we can't glean something from it. Just a simple truth tonight, and um, we'll go from there. And again, don't forget about Friday night. We're certainly excited about that, looking forward to that. And uh, if you have anything to do with the program, tomorrow night's the big dress rehearsal. So you need to be ready to go, and uh, obviously you know what time that all is, I'm sure. But make sure you're here, and uh, we'll look forward to a good evening tomorrow night. As we get ready for that final, uh, it's ready for the first program. And I've heard some good things. I'm excited about being there tomorrow. And uh, we'll put it all together and watch God do something good on Friday and Sunday night as well. But anyway, uh, Friday night, big night, 7 o'clock, right here at the church. All right, Jeremiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 23. We read, But this thing commanded I them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. And ye shall be my people, and walk ye in all the ways that I have commanded you, that it may be well unto you. But they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imaginations of their evil heart, and went backward and not forward. Since the day that your fathers came forth out of the land of Egypt, unto this day I have even sent unto you all my servants, the prophets, daily rising up early and sending them. Yet they hearkened not unto me, nor inclined their ear, but hardened their neck. They did worse than their fathers. Therefore thou shalt speak all these words unto them, but they will not hearken to thee. They shall not also call unto them, excuse me, thou shalt also call unto them, but they will not answer thee. But thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. <clears throat> I've told the story probably a number of times, but... Years ago, when I was out in California, I had been swimming that day, and we went out on the, the, we were trying to do some body surfing, and as I was doing body surfing, of course, I was extremely good at it. Even though I was from the East Coast, I was, I don't know, just light on my feet and could just take off the waves, and I was riding on top of the wave, and it was a big wave, and there had been a, a, some kind of disturbance out at sea, maybe some kind of storm, and so the waves were pretty high, and 
They told me, they said, now listen, you being uh, not used to the ocean, you need to be very careful. But, of course, I wasn't going to be careful for anything. Even though I had, had just recently had a broken shoulder and had been postponed from going to the Army and only had one arm to use, I decided, who cares? I'm tough. I'm going to be a, uh, in the Army. I mean, I'm, I'm young. I can handle this. And so I went out there, and when I got on top of that wave, I come off the top of that wave, hit the bottom, and it literally just smashed me down into the bottom, the, 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 the sand, the dirt, the rock on the bottom, and just tumbled me and rolled me around and rolled me around. Man, I was getting beat up. And when I came up out of that water, I realized I was almost a hundred yards away from shore. I looked up and could not believe how far I'd been dragged out into the ocean. So I immediately began to almost panic a little bit, and then I kind of rested and thought, hold on a second, just swim back to shore. So I began to do the best I could to swim with what little, uh, with, with having one wing broken, so to speak, and I kept trying to go like that with my elbow and go like that with my other arm, and I was trying to fight my way back into shore. I'd bury my head and try to swim underwater, thinking I could make some headway. And as I buried myself in the water and began to swim towards shore, I would lift my head and realize I was only further away. It just seemed like the more I tried, the less it worked. I kept getting pushed further and further away. I mean, I was pointed in the right... I was, I was heading in the right direction. I was going the right way, but I was, you know, but I was going backward. I mean, I was... I, 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 I was I was headed the right way, but going the wrong direction. I'm, I'm going the right way. I'm facing that direction. I'm going toward the shore. But every time I raised my head, I was going the wrong direction. That was frustrating. And it was scary. I remember that a guy come, you know, one of these uh, fellows that, you know, these lifeguards, they were in, in, in the Pacific Ocean, they run these boats along, and they have lifeguards in boats, and they drive around uh, kind of far out because the riptides are very strong, so it takes a lot of the people out, you know, away from shore. And they come by me and they said, hey, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. You need a hand? No. I'm cool. That was stupid. That's called Pride. Needless to say, I finally made my way back into shore, but I can, I can still remember burying my head in the water, trying to do my best to swim to shore. I mean, being pointed in the right direction, but going the wrong way. I, that was something. The plight of Israel and their sad state is being shared with us in this passage. And what we're going to see is that Israel was pointed the right way, but going the wrong direction. And so tonight, I, I, I want to learn from the passage, and I think you do too. And as a matter of fact, in the book of Romans chapter 15, verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written afore, aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. It says what we read about in the Old Testament, what was recorded for us in the Word of God was put there for our own benefit so that you and I can learn from their mistakes. And so tonight, I want to note Israel at this time in history and 
from a passage that we find here in verse 24. And I, I just want to see what we can glean tonight so that we don't make the same mistake they did. So that when it's all said and done, we're not headed the right way, but going the wrong direction. So let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll go ahead and get started. Father, we come to you, and we thank you again for this time together. And Father, we're just asking you, Lord, just to meet with us in a very special way tonight. May we glean from your precious book, the Word of God. Father, may you help us, Lord, just to be faithful to you. And I just beg you, Father, just to open my eyes and the eyes of these. And Father, may we be very clear on where we're at with you. Father, may we be honest with ourselves and honest with you. Father, we do love you. We do want to please you. Father, help us to do just that, we pray. Now fill me and use me and let me be your mouthpiece tonight in Christ's name. Amen. I want to note their disobedience. Notice what it says in verse 24. But they hearkened not. I mean, the Lord had said to them, Obey my voice and I will be your God and you shall be my people and walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well unto you. Isn't that the promise that God has for every one of His children? I mean, if we'll only listen and obey His voice, if we'll only follow His Word and walk in His statutes and ways, we too will see blessings. <clears throat> Unfortunately, the children of Israel did not obey. The Bible says, but they hearkened not. If you would take the time to read through the Old Testament, you'd find that they did not hearken, they did not obey the Spirit of God. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, you and I are equally admonished not to quench the Spirit. We're told in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, not to grieve the Holy Ghost of God. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. They were disobedient, but they were disobedient to the Spirit of God. And may I say that if this is all recorded for us, for our learning, then may we not be so self-confident that when spoken to by the Holy Spirit, we don't disregard His voice. That we listen to what He has to say. That we hearken unto His words. That we... Obey the voice of God through the Spirit of God. But not only that, but it's quite evident that they failed to obey the Word of God. God made it perfectly clear what He wanted for them. He laid it out. He really outlined His plan for them, His purpose for them. And yet they failed to obey the Word of God. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Early on, God made it perfectly clear to His people that what you need to do is you need to take this book and you need to meditate upon it. You need to elevate it in your life and in your home and in your family. You need to truly make it preeminent in your life. This book ought to be the, the uh, uh, true place of faith and practice in your life. This book, 
Not Reader's Digest and not some television program or some kind of TV personality, but literally the Word of God, Jesus Christ in written form. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to shew thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's easy for us to look at the children of Israel to kind of go back and reflect upon their failures and somehow be able to point them out quite vividly and very distinctly. But the reality is, is that if we're honest with ourselves, many times we're the ones who reject the Word of God, who disobey the Word of God, who re, uh, reject it in a sense or withhold it or withstand it. We'd like to believe that we always obey His Word, that we're yielded and surrendered to His Spirit, but the truth is, if we're honest with ourselves, we may too fall short many times. Not only do we see them being disobedient to the Spirit of God, the Word of God, but they were also, in a sense, disobedient to the house of God. They made tremendous failures. They, they failed. They brought sin into the camp. They, they like the New Testament believer, or like the, the Gospels, uh, those Jews in the Gospel times when Jesus Christ walked the earth, they turned the house of God into a, a den of thieves. Supposed to be a house of prayer, but turned it into a den of thieves. And these did about the same. I mean, the house of God ought to be a place where we grow, where we learn. You can't do that unless you obey the Word of God, unless you obey the Spirit of God. It's not enough just to come to church, sit in the pew. You have to be willing to be active, actively involved in the service. You have to really allow your heart, your mind, your, your, your uh, uh, spirit to be open to the things of God. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That means that your pastor is absolutely necessary in your maturity as a believer. You cannot mature properly without me. At least that's what it says. The Word of God. You say, well, you're not the one that's going to lead me to maturity. Then you better find some pastor that can. Because you can't do it without the local church and without the leadership of the church. And neither can I. You say, but you're not being preached at every service. I know, but I have my own personal growth plan as well as I have people in this church that encourage me, uplift me, and uphold me in prayer, and they continually help me to see the faith lived out daily in their lives. There's some of you folks that have been around for years that have served the Lord Jesus Christ at every time. If I'm even ever, ever tempted to doubt that God is real and that He's able to overcome all obstacles, I need only look at your life and God says, see, it works. I need this church and I need you too. We need each other. But they were disobedient. The Bible says, but they hearkened not. They did not obey but also, I want you to note not only their disobedience, I want you to note their defiance. Again, he goes on in verse 24 to say, But they hearken not, nor inclined their ear. What's he saying? They were defiant. They did not listen. Have you ever tried to share truth? Or have you ever tried to encourage a young man or young lady or maybe your own child to do something and they were just downright defiant? They just would not listen. You're like, just, just do it this way. And they're like, no, I'm telling you, just do it this way. It'll work. I'm telling you, it works if you'll just do it the way I'm telling you. 
I don't want to do it that way. You ever run into that? Sure you have. And probably, if we're honest, we've been like that at some point. But to be like that with God, that's not going to get us anywhere fast. Or at least not anywhere up, only down. And I'm not talking about hell. I'm talking about in our spiritual maturity. We cannot grow if we're defined against God, His Spirit, His Word, and His house. We need to be open to God. I think about Goliath who stood defiant against the armies of the living God. That ended pretty bad. And that's exactly how it ends for us. When we're defiant against God, His Word, His Spirit, the leadership in His house, it ends bad. Why don't we learn from their mistakes? We see their disobedience, their defiance, but also we see their delusion. It goes on again to say, But they hearken not, nor incline their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. Hey, these were God's people. And they were God's people now. I'm not talking about, you know how it is today, you know, somebody's uh, coming to church, they're faithful to God, you know, and... Next thing you know, you know, things go awry and we go, well, they're, they're not saved. They, they, they might be saved. These were God's people. They went awry. They messed up. They were really way out there. But they were His people. Hey, they had seen the miracles that God alone could grant. I mean, they were there in Egypt and were supernaturally delivered. They watched the Red Sea part. They saw the waters of Marah made sweet. Manna was brought forth in the wilderness and water came forth from the rock. And there they crossed over that Jordan and watched the walls of Jericho fall. They had followed that cloud by day and that fire by night. They'd watched as God sent the hail to defeat the enemies. And as He caused the sun to stand still so that they could gain the victory. They were God's people. But even though they were God's people, they were acting like those who God destroyed in the flood. In Genesis 6, 5-6, through 6, the Bible says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Well, that's what we see with Israel here, isn't it? They walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart, it tells us here in Jeremiah. And that's exactly what men and women did back in the book of Genesis before God destroyed the earth by water. Hey, listen, we're God's children. We're just as capable of making the same mistakes. 
Well, I know we'd like to believe that everybody gets saved will never backslide, never go off into sin, never do anything that seems to be off color. But the reality is, is that even God's children can find themselves in a real mess. We've been born again. We've experienced the new birth. We have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. We've been given an eternal home in heaven and the promise of God to return for us one day. And yet, if we're not careful, we too can be delusioned. Somehow believing that we too can do it another way. Can function without God. Can make it without His presence. Perform without His power. Accomplish without Him. In 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5, we're admonished, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's the admonition of the believer. That's what God desires for you and I. Instead of allowing our imaginations to run wild, instead of somehow turning to our own counsels and our own ways, God says, no, never depart from my ways. Always put me first. Always allow me to have preeminence in your life. Always give me the benefit of the doubt. Always, always put down your imaginations. Bring those into captivity. Boy, how sad it is, and yet how much of a reality it is, that we somehow believe that we can close the book and function outside of it. We really do. We really do. Someone says, I don't have enough money to tithe. You know what they just did? Shut the book and are going to do it their way. Well, you don't understand. In my situation, I can't submit to my husband. You don't understand. I can't provide for my family. But you don't understand. I, I, I can't obey my parents. They're not very good, godly people. You don't understand. It's, it's not as easy for me to be in God's house. You don't realize I'm too busy to pray. I don't understand the Bible that well, and it's just kind of confusing, so I just don't read it. We close the book, and we try to operate outside of it. 
But remember, the moment we step outside the book, it's this right here that takes control. It's called the flesh and evil imaginations. Listen, you don't have to be doing something bad for it to be an evil imagination. It just has to go contrary to God's Word. See, the world doesn't consider missing church an an evil imagination. I I don't think I'm going to go to church because I... Hey, God says to be in God's house, not forsake the assembly of ourselves. And that's, that's a bad thought you got running through your mind. That's an evil thought. That's Satan saying, don't go. Cast that thought down. Cast it down. Bring it into captivity. So you have no right to run rampant or free in my life. I'm going to be where I belong. I'm not going to allow you to, to, to tempt me by thinking those kind of thoughts. Say no to your flesh. Say no to yourself. And you could come up with a hundred other examples if you took the time to think about it. And so could I probably. The bottom line is, we just can't possibly think we can do it without Him. Not only do we see their disobedience, their defiance, their delusion, but number four, we see their direction. Notice again that it says here in verse 24, but they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsel and in the imagination of their evil heart, notice this now, and went backward and not forward. Wow. And went backward and not forward. What are we saying here? Well, I think it's easier illustrated than shared. Go ahead and get... Uh, don't want you coming up here. Here's how it works. Hey, brother, why don't you come on up too? You stand right over there, brother. Stand right over there. There you go. And just face this way. Now you come on over here, right here, okay? Now, here we go. Israel. This is Israel. This is God and the law. Statutes, the commands, the precepts. Here's exactly what he's talking about here. He says... Israel went backward and not forward. Israel was still facing God. Still doing sacrifices. Still keeping a remnant of the law in their life and in their culture. Israel did not completely turned their back on God. They did not turn around and walk away from Him necessarily, at least from the perspective that we're receiving here. But what they did do 
is that they maintained what they were doing. They kept up the sacrifices. They continued to appear to be as godly on the outside. But the Bible says all along they were going backward and not forward. Now here's the problem. It's not that they're not doing necessarily the right things. They were still doing some of the right things. But they were also doing some wrong things, weren't they? But they had a similitude. They had, had, like you say, a, a sense or they had a form of godliness. But they were forever going backward, not forward. Now, what's the point? What's the, the desire of God in the Christian life? The Bible says over in the book of of James, chapter 4, verse 8, he says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse ye hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. But the point being is to draw nigh to God. Listen, I don't believe anything's changed over the years. I know we're in the New Testament, but I don't believe in the Old Testament it was all right to go backward. I think God still wanted us, His people, to draw nigh to Him. He's always wanted a peculiar people. He's always wanted a people that were drawing nigh to Him. Now again, I I know some will differ with me on this, and, and that's all right. But I'm not convinced that God ever moves. I think God always stays where He is. And I know you're showing some illustrations where preachers will say, and I'm not knocking them. That's, their, that's how they perceive it. I don't know that it matters. And heaven one day will really understand it completely. But I just don't see it quite the way, that way. I don't see that when he draws nigh, God draws nigh. I don't think God moves for anybody. I think God is always fixed. God is always where he was. And it's up to us to draw nigh to him. And as we draw nigh to him, he draws nigh to us. Nobody's to blame for God being away from you or away from me than me or you. It's our fault when we get away from God. It's never God's fault. He never leaves us because He's always where He began. And so the children of Israel, here they were. I mean, at one point, after they had left Egypt, after they had finally received the law, after 40 years of wandering, after finally being placed into the promised land, after receiving that law and instituting it and applying it to their lives, they were really going for God. I mean, they had things moving. They had a relationship with God. And they, had, they were abiding by the laws, the statutes, and the, the, the precepts of God. But the problem wasn't what they were doing. The problem was, was their heart. And pretty soon, they started going backward and not forward. Oh, they still were sacrificing to God. They still were fulfilling some of the the law as it was laid out. But their heart was, was going backward. They didn't have the relationship they once had with God. They didn't have the intimacy that they once had. And they kept growing colder and more distant and colder and more distant and colder and more distant. They kept coming into the synagogue. They kept going to church. They kept doing all the things they were supposed to do on the outside. But then they started including some other things like other idols and like other practices because their heart had gotten so cold, they'd gotten so away from God that other things were able to get into their lives. But they were deceived and delusioned, disillusioned because they were still doing some of the right things. Oh, we're still the people of God. 
I mean, we have to sacrifice. We still go up and hold this particular uh, feast day, and we do those things. And okay, so we don't—we're not perfect. But then again, who is? And they started excusing their coldness. That's just the way it is. You know how it is. After you've been saved a while, the honeymoon wears off. It's like being married. It's good at first. Wait till you've been married for about a year. Wait till you've been married five years. Well, am I glad I'm not a mess like you are? See, I think you're testifying now. I think you're just telling me how bad it is in your home. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know about you, but I like the honeymoon, and I'm still on it. And if my wife ain't on that honeymoon, she's fooling me good. You know what? The Christian life ought to be a honeymoon, too. Listen, you're you're a child of God today. You should not be colder now than you were a year ago or five years ago. You ought to be hotter, closer, and more intimate with the Lord Jesus Christ today than you have ever been. And if you are not, obviously you are still... Hold on now. I want to say it right. You are still pointed the right way, but you're going... The wrong direction. The earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. That's a long ways. But it wouldn't take but only another million miles or so And we would turn into a wasteland. If the earth was moving away from the sun at any length, any speed, and it got further and further, I'm telling you, the earth would virtually freeze. We'd all be dead. If the earth got too close, of course, we'd burn up. But for the sake of our illustration, Israel was like earth, and they... In this case, that would gotten out of its orbit and kept moving away further and further and further from the sun. It doesn't matter that the sun still shined on them from time to time. It wouldn't. It's not enough influence on the earth to make it warm enough to make life possible or to sustain life. And you want to know something? The Christians the same way. You can still have the sun shining on you from time to time. The Lord Jesus Christ but be further and further away and really you're dead as dead can be in your heart. Cold as cold can be in your heart. And people go, oh, they look like a good Christian. Look, he's got a suit on today and he's got a nice looking tie and man, he's been smiling up a storm. But that's not what God's looking at. I'm not saying it's not important. Don't misunderstand me. It is. But that should not be the emphasis. The emphasis is on the heart. And if the heart is really warm and the relationship is close and intimate with Christ, this will be natural. This will not be a problem. This 
is a problem when the person here thinks that just having this makes him this. That's the problem. I'm not afraid to have standards in my life. Standards protect me from moral falls. Standards help me to uphold my convictions. They're not not what make me right with God. My standards don't make me right with God. They protect me from, from, I guess, taking that step over the edge. They're protection. And they keep me from violating my convictions. And my convictions are based on biblical truths found in Scripture. But let's be careful that we're not and I, we're not headed the we're not pointed the right way, but headed the wrong direction. Thanks, guys. See, we we know. We know their disobedience, their defiance, and their delusion, also their direction. But as we close tonight, let me just share their destination. Where'd they end up? Take your Bible, look at Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 33 as we close. Chapter 7, verse 33 says... And the carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beast of the earth, and none shall fray them away. Wow. Now that's rough. That's not the destination that I want for myself or for my family or even for my world. sitting here tonight. It's hard to imagine that anyone could be so foolish to think that they could do without God. I mean, sitting here with you sitting here, me, we're thinking to ourselves, are you kidding? (laughs) We'd never think to try to do it without God. But allow, allow me to remind you real quickly that these people were still doing many of the right things, but they were going backward. They were, they were pointed the right way, but going the wrong direction. Let me ask you, how close are you to Christ tonight? I, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about how many times you come to church a week. You get close to Christ, that won't be a problem. But you can come to church every service and be a long ways from God. See, you, you like Israel and me like Israel, we can be pointed the right way, but going the wrong direction. I mean, how intimate is your walk with Christ? I mean, how anxious are you to open His Word? 
How quick are you to apply his truths? And how willing are you to forsake the world, the flesh, and the devil? The children of Israel did not start off one day going, you know what? God's been good, but who cares? I want to live like I want to live. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I can't wait one day till I, I just look forward to the day when our carcasses are meat for the fowls of the heaven. I mean that it's just Meat for the beasts of the field. I, I can't wait. I mean, I can't wait. That's going to be such a wonderful time. I'm going to head as fast as I can that direction. I'm going to turn from God and start running right toward it. They didn't do that. It was subtle. It was satanic. And I just want to encourage you tonight. You're in the right place. You're doing the right thing. Let's make sure we're doing it with the right heart. That's all. You can have both tonight. You can do the right things and be in the right place and still have the right attitude, the right heart, the right spirit. And really, that's what God expects from us. Because that's what God knows brings the greatest joy in our life. And truly meets a need in our life that way. Well, tonight, I hope you'll think about that and make sure in your own heart, evaluate your own life and say, God, is it possible that I'm pointed the right way but headed the wrong direction tonight? Have I neglected my quiet time with you? Have I allowed my personal relationship to wax and wane? Have I failed to cultivate an environment of spiritual nourishment in my life? Because, Lord, if that's the case, I want to confess that as sin tonight. And I just want to draw nigh to you. I want to get close again. I don't want to move backward. I want to go forward tonight. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time we've had together, just a simple time of teaching. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us, Father, to be encouraged from your word. Lord, 